train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. When we discussed this series, and we all thought it was a great idea, went around the room, Jeff asked if everybody wanted to speak. And I said a resounding no. <laughs> and I said it several times, no, 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 I don't want to be up here, no. I didn't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> I had a few reasons, but the biggest was I knew that I couldn't put into words my, any of my memories. I could remember the emotions, and I could pic picture the scene, but I would have no detail. No words to associate with the memories. I knew it would be difficult to come up with my story. I find it very strange that throughout my career I had to have a lot of detail, and a majority of the work I do for the church is centered around detail. Yet I can't remember the details of the memories of my life. <clears throat> so I began jotting thoughts for the last five weeks. I talked with my kids and my two closest friends to help me come up with my memories. So when we got to the end of the question, so I'm glad, I'm grateful that I had the kids and uh, my friends because if I hadn't, then there would be nothing to say. So when we get to the end, if you have questions, I have the right to call up Nina and Stacy to give the details. <laughs> um, so we were coming right along with my story, and last Friday, it was deleted. I had to start over. I cried for four hours. <laughs> so here's my story. You get to look at the back of me for about... 7,000 slides. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and get started because I have a lot to say. These are my grandparents from Scotland. Can everybody see the screen if I'm standing up here? I mean, I'm not too tall. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> okay, thank you. My mom is a first-generation American. My uncle was born in Scotland, and three other children were born here in America. My grandmother loved to cook. I can still smell the shortbread cookies and the most tender pot roast ever. She crocheted, for which she won prizes at county fairs. She loved her garden, and for her career, she was a seamstress. I didn't know until recently that she wrote and put on plays. She always wore dresses and at least a small-heeled shoe. She did this while she was ironing, while she was cooking, while she was doing the laundry. She wore hats and gloves and carried a purse just like so. Her arm would always be like this, and she would walk stately, and she would look like a queen. My grandfather worked in the coal mines, where he contracted lung disease, black lung. Together, they danced. I had the privilege of attending a reunion in Sugar Eat, New Mexico, where they would dance their traditional Scottish jig, something we all loved to see them doing, and that was dancing. I got to live with them for a year when I attended Otero Junior College. Next one. This is the next slide shows my grandparents on my dad's side. My grandmother was 20 years younger than my grandfather and was married at the age of 14. My grandfather had many jobs, and my dad was able to help him go to those jobs and fulfill those jobs. My dad sits and tells me the memories he has of working with his dad. 
He loved singing and playing the violin, dancing, and visiting the neighbors. He would have been a great evangelist. <laughs> Every morning, my grandmother would make fresh tortillas. Patricio and Margarita were married for over 60 years. My Aunt Lorraine is pictured with them in this picture. Next slide. My grandmother raised 10 kids. The woman in the middle of the picture on the left is my grandmother, and she's holding me. The woman on her right is her mother, and the woman on her, I, the opposite, is her sister. <clears throat> I'm not sure if all of the kids are hers, but they very possibly are, because I remember, I, re, I recognize the twin boys at the bottom. They are my uncles. They are nine months older than I am. I look at these pictures, and I think, they could be in history books. <laughs> my sister and I would get to spend two weeks with my grandmother every summer. Next screen. This is my parents in high school, Davis and Dorothy V. Hill. Next screen. This is them now. I get to spend a couple days a week up north where I take them to lunch and pay bills and go to the dentist and doctor appointments. We get groceries, we sit on the swing, or at the kitchen table talking about memories. I love my time with them. My dad worked at a clay light company, Martin Marietta and Rocky Flats, where he retired after 20 years as an engineer, a senior engineer. He worked in the laundry in his younger days, which got him at the, in the door at Rocky Flats and had experience as a welder, which got him climbing the corporate ladder. Mom stayed at home with us until we were all in school. She worked at Kmart for 20 years. She was in customer service, was in the back office where she specialized in marketing, and was the manager of the millinery department. She was also the district supervisor for several states. She also volunteered at an orphanage. I remembered going with her. She would bring babies home for the weekend, but we had to quit because it was too hard to take them back. When I asked her recently what memory she had of me when I was young, the first thing she said was, I always loved children. My dad, dad loves music and his guitar, loved camping, fishing, and hunting. He always worked on cars. My mom makes beautiful flower arrangements. She sewed a lot of our clothes when we were growing up. She crochets and has done a lot of needlepoint. My mom and dad also love to dance. Their favorite song is Kansas City. Next screen. Here I am with my dad at nine months. And the picture in the lower right is me at a year. One time when we were riding in the car to New Mexico. I was on my mom's lap because there were no car seats back then, and the sun was in my eyes. I was a toddler, and I asked my dad to turn off the sun, and he did. <laughs> my dad has always been able to do anything. <laughs> Next slide. Mom and dad raised us Catholic. I credit the beginnings of my faith with my parents. I was taught that the Bible is the truth, and it is the word of God. Next screen. This is me very getting older. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a playful person. I'm really pretty serious. That lower right picture is about as playful as I get. <laughs> Next slide. I had one brother and one sister. A memory of my brother and sister was when we, had sewing, was when we were sewing pearls on my sister's dress. She had made her dress and had a million pearls to sew on. My uh, brother came home and 
made a snappy comment to my mom. I followed him into the bathroom, grabbed him by his shirt, and said, listen, little buddy, you will not be talking to your mom that way, and threw him into the bathtub. <laughs> of course, <laughs> of, yes, if you disrespect my mom, yes, I would. <laughs> of course, my mom wanted to rescue him, but my sister held her back. It's a, me it's a memory we always talk about. I helped sew about six of those million pearls on her dress. And that might be exaggerating. <laughs> During this time in junior high, I had a math teacher who was instrumental at directing the rest of my life. I absolutely loved him. I had several great teachers, but my math teacher truly cared about his students. He came over and would talk to my mom and dad about all three of us kids. He told me in a conversation that I would be, a good, I would be good in a career with computers. I respected his advice, and I took it. This was in seventh grade. This is my brother. My, my brother passed away several years ago, and he had one daughter. My sister is amazing, and like my dad, she can do anything. She owns her own business, flipping homes, and also has a full-time job. She is sharp and is a designer whose home has been featured in magazines. And with her husband, they raised two great boys. Next slide. I was in Girl Scouts from the age of seven. I was a Girl Scout all through school. I was a Brownie leader in college. I'm the one on the far right. Next slide. I picked this uh, just for you, Pastor Jeff. I wanted you to hear this. This is something that we did in Girl Scouts. It says, each week, 23 of the 41 members of Troop 514 spent many hours helping younger students at Alsup and Monaco schools through the three programs designed and directed by their advisor, Barbara Jones. The programs included teaching English to Spanish-speaking youngsters, tutoring underachieving students, and a big sister project which combines recreation and learning activities. Doesn't that sound like teach one to lead one? <laughs> Two members of the troop, Vicki and myself, participated in all three of the programs. Next one. <clears throat> When I got to this point, I thought to myself, wow, before I became a Christian, God had breathed his life into me. He had breathed his purposes and his plans. And he was preparing me for my future. I was elected to the National Board of Directors of Girl Scouts. I attended the I represented the Girl Scouts at the 1971 White House Conference on Children and Youth, and I attended the Girl Scouting Mexican-American Style Conference the same year. Marissa had suggested what I speak on was commitment and how I've been able to serve as long as I have with Genesis. I come from a long line of commitment examples. Lots of long marriages, lots of committed commitments to companies, extended worth eth ethics, and so on. Next. I was a single parent for 13 years. When Stacy was three, I gave my life to the Lord. I was working at Rocky Flats. My boss was in an office next to me, and there was a cut window very much like a Catholic confessional. He witnessed to me for what seemed a million years until one day he asked if I was ready. I had already been saying to myself, what do I need to do? He led me in a prayer and asked me to go with his family to church at Redeemer Temple that night. It was a Wednesday. I did, and we attended the church every Wednesday, Sunday morning, and Sunday night for the next 10 years. 
Jim and his wife Cora poured hours and hours and hours into Stacy and I until he left Colorado. He would be riding in a car and he would quiz me on scriptures. We did Bible studies. They had us for dinner. They visited with us. We became a part of their family. He left us in good hands with Pastor Jerry and Jan Scholl, who poured hours and hours and hours into Stacy and me in the very same way. We became a part of their family. Stacy gave her life to the Lord at the age of seven. I'm pretty sure Jim and Cora led her to the Lord. Memories of Stacy and I include eating popcorn for dinner, or when we went out to eat, we'd order French fries and dessert. Not the best mom, right? <laughs> Next screen. Yes, kids. I did marry Santa. <laughs> he sold me a car, and the rest is history. Next screen. If it had been up to me, I would have had a dozen kids. I loved being pregnant. I loved everything about it. I loved feeling the baby move inside of me and kick. Now I was so also blessed not to have morning sickness, and I always had energy, and I don't remember being tired. So everything about my pregnancy was good, except for the fact that I had preeclampsia with all three kids. When I was pregnant with Stacy, the first thing I did after giving birth was look at my ankles. They were no longer the size of an elephant. <laughs> I didn't have it as bad with Jesse and Elise, but I did have it. With Elise, I tried to have her cesarean section. I had to have her a cesarean section because every time I would have a contraction, her heart rate would go down. But she was perfectly healthy, full term, and weighed in at four pounds, four and a half ounces. Elise gave her life to the Lord when she was three. At the end of an Easter production, Pastor Jeff gave an altar call. She looked at me and said, I want Jesus in my heart. Next screen. Jesse gave his life to the Lord at a power team show when he was five. He, had just got, he just got up from his chair and started walking downstairs to the floor of the auditorium when the altar call was given. He had seen the power team before, but this time something just tugged his heart in that special kind of way. Next screen. Just growing older. <laughs> Next screen. And then there were four. After a tough, tough love experience, Stacy wanted to move back home. Of course, she was welcomed back home. The Holy Spirit told me she was pregnant. Within a few days, she took a test herself, and she was indeed pregnant because of a rape. Stacy let me name her. I named her the name of Joy because she was going to give us so much joy. I helped care for her when Stacy was working. She called me Mama, because that's what Stacy called me. And she called Stacy Mommy. I remember her talking in a playhouse we had bought her. She was about a year old, and she would be on the phone saying, Oi, 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 Mama. Oi, 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 Mama. <laughs> she called me Mama, as, she did all, as did all my grandchildren, until she became old enough to realize she didn't have a grandmother. Then she asked if she could call me Grandmother, and I've been that ever since. <clears throat> Next screen. I had asked all of the kids what, um, what we did right as parents. And so I'm going to go through this, and I'm going to tell you where my kids are today. Stacy said, I think the biggest thing I am grateful for is raising me in our faith in God, despite what everyone else said. The strength shown has been my inspiration for much of my faith and my struggles I have had to face. With her husband, they've been sound reinforcement department heads, church elders, leadership teams on the leadership team, assistant youth pastors, youth pastors, deacons, dance and drama directors, outreach facilitators, nursery overseers, head ushers, dance and drama directors, worship team members, and this is for the five 
churches that they have been a part of. Outside of the church, she's an author and a published poet, a video producer and photographer. Next screen. When we lived in Tulsa, I drove back to Denver to pick up Emily. She stayed with us for six weeks. She was 15 months old. Then I, when Isaac was born, I picked up Marcus and Emily, and they stayed with us for six weeks. Once again, when Rachel was born, we were back in Denver, and I was working. So I didn't get to take care of Isaac and Rachel for six weeks. You can also see Tiger Lily down there at the bottom. We have a great praise report. She went to see the doctor the other day, and the doctor told her she didn't need to come back for two years. She doesn't have to have the scheduled surgery that's coming up, that was supposed to come up this next year. Yes. Next, one, next page. I asked Elise, what did you like most about our parenting? The thing I remember the most about my parents raising me was always being with them. They would take us with them everywhere. Anytime mom had a church meeting, we would go. Prayer meetings, we would be there. Lunch meetings, etc. We were told to prepare for the day, meaning bring things to keep you occupied, just in case we end up in one place longer than expected. As I got older, I loved sitting in on and feeling a part of church planning meetings, women's group planning meetings, prayer meetings. I started to participate and offer suggestions, and as a result, started ministering at a, long, at a young age. I hope to do the most, the same thing for my kids. She started attending planning meetings when she was 13. She was the main nursery teacher when she was 14, was a preschool teacher when she was 15. That's when she started creating her own curriculum. She served in the coffee ministry from 14 to 16 and headed that up for a while. She became the head of the nursery at 16, co-founded the Genesis ministry, women's ministry at 18, 19, and taught in some of the meetings. At age 21, she stepped out of leading ministry while in college, but she still helped. She came back at 24 for a few years to as the lead preschool teacher here at Genesis. Then transferred from Genesis at 27 to lead the toddler's preschool class at Storyline. She left Storyline at 29 and found her current church with her husband. They serve as a couple in the baby class once a month, a preschool teacher when there's a fifth Sunday, and they help set up coffee once a month. Next. Jesse has my other two grandchildren, Kinsley and Lillian. I get to watch them two to three times a week. They're an absolute joy and are perfect angels for me. The girls couldn't say grandmother, so they call me mutter. <laughs> Don't you just love that? I certainly do. <laughs> By the way, I love all of my children's spouses. I know Manuel would tell you if he were here that we had a couple come to Jesus meetings when he and Stacy first got married, but we've grown so much closer as the years have gone by. He's an amazing writer. Where does he get all those words, right? <laughs> I can't read them all, but the ones I do, I am amazed. I love Laura and feel our relationship growing stronger and stronger as we continue to get to know each other, and I fell in love with Leo the first time I met him. He calls me mom. I love that. So Jesse said that, Mom, you were incredible at being into what I was into. You nurtured me creatively. creatively. You were at every show with me, which means I took him to a lot of concerts. 
It didn't matter the type of music. He bought me instruments, took me to an anime convention, drove me and all my friends to Evergreen to play shows. He and his friends had his own band. You also talked to me about my doubts and questions. You never pushed me, just always trusted you raised me the right way and that I would find my way. I have three distinct memories of you growing up. The first is I remember you would take us to church on the move and let us play while you made puppets in the back room. That's my idea of servanthood. I remember realizing that when you went and worked nights at a computer company, you did so so you could stay home with us during the day. That taught me hard, hard work. And I remember you going to a Demon Hunter show with me and just sat back and let me experience the concert. He was a church plant intern. He was a kid's pastor of 35 inner-city kids that were bussed in. He's been a children's pastor over 250 kids and 20 volunteers. He's been a youth pastor. He grew the ministry from 15 to 30 and 5 to 15 in a very short period. He completed EMT school and has served as an EMT on a 911 ambulance for two years. The company averages 40,000 calls a year. He's been on shootings, heart attacks, cardiac, cardiac arrests, car accidents, and active shooters. Currently, he's in paramedic school full-time while he's working full-time and maintaining a four-point average. Can we turn this down? Thank you. Train up a child in the way he should go, and in keeping with his individual gift or bent, when he is old, he will not depart from it. I've heard from various psychologists, psychiatrists, the people who do social work, that a child is established by the time they turn five. And um, when I was with Jim and Cora and um, Jerry and Jan, they constantly reiterated scripture upon scripture about how to train your child. I used all of those teachings in training to raise my kids. I homeschooled the kids while we lived in Tulsa. Jesse learned to read at the age of five within three months. We used ACE curriculum, and it was easy for the kids, and they really enjoyed it. It was difficult for Elise to get through fourth grade math. It took us two years, but that, that is now her strongest, her strongest subject. I was big on manners. We, I taught the kids how to properly set the table, even when uh, we weren't necessarily going to be just doing a, a family meet. We were just going to do a family meal. I taught the kids at an early age how to answer the phone and how to take a message. They would say, hello, this is Elise. How may I help you? <laughs> and they would take messages. May I have your name? Can you spell it for me, please? They, they were doing this when they were five. They were, they were very young doing this. They, we started them early <laughs> because they always wanted to rush to the phone and let me answer it, let me answer it. I says, you may answer it if you learn how. <laughs> and so um, one day a company called Jesse to tell him that they wanted to hire him. Well, Elise answered the phone and they hired her because of her phone answering skills. They both got to work for the company, but <laughs> she, was, she had never applied. <laughs> um, I raised them to listen to different kinds of music. When we would travel back and forth between Tulsa and Denver, uh, I would put on music, 
such as Frank Sinatra. Uh, I would put on Patsy Cline, and the kids would sing along with me for 10 hours. <laughs> we also would put on scripture, veggie tale songs, and so on and so forth. And you must love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7. Not only in our uh, trips we listen to scripture songs and stories. We also, when the kids would watch movies, I would ask them, what lesson is the movie trying to teach you? Is it a biblical principle? Do you think it's good or bad that they're trying to teach you? And is it something that you'd be willing to follow yourself? Jesse was 18 months. We were watching Ariel. And he said, Mom, she needs the rod. And it was because Ariel was being dis disrespectful towards her father and rebellious. <laughs> From the time the kids were in infants, every time we ate at restaurants, the waitresses would come up to us and tell us what well-behaved children we had. We were so proud of them. We took them everywhere we went. Vacations. In 18 years, Jim and I took three vacations by ourselves, and it was only because the kids weren't allowed and the vacation was fully paid for. They did ministry with me. Stacy was taking dance lessons. I still had Elise, so I would take Elise and uh, we'd had the dance lessons at the church, and Elise would be in a stroller, and I would just walk her back and forth in the stroller until Stacy was done, and then we would go home. I teach the kids to play on a blanket. I kept them in service until they were between two and three. When we were in service, I taught them to pray. I would hold Elise, and she was very young. She wasn't uh, saying very many words, but she didn't know how to say the word pray. And she, we would be in worship, and she would say, Mama, pray. And we would put our hands out and we would pray for whoever she said. And it wasn't like she would just say, pray, 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 pray. She would just pick one or two people when we would go into service and we'd pray for them. Plays. Jesse was five months old when he first played Jesus. We did a processional. I was Mary and Jim was Joseph. And all Jesse had to do was just to stay in my arms. As people walked forward, he would smile at them. He didn't look around or cry or fidget. He just smiled at the people who were bringing their gifts, and he would follow them as they came up the aisle. We couldn't have planned it any better. We couldn't have scripted it. Elise was in several plays. She played a homeless child as the child who needed healing. She danced. At young ages, she loved role-playing. Stacy was a mime observing life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Um, Jesse gave his first message at the age of five. In Tulsa, we belonged to a homeschool group, and every month we would go to a nursing home and make crafts with them, sing songs, and give the gospel message. He was pretty excited about his message. It was a good one. Uh, both of the girls danced. Um, all the kids have worked in kids' club or the nursery. Not always loving it, but they helped. <laughs> Living in Tulsa was the best thing that we could have happened to us. We went to Tulsa with Jeff and Nina. They returned in about 12, 18 months, 18 months, 18 months, and we stayed there for three and a half years. We attended church on the move with Pastor Willie George. 
I didn't volunteer at that church. Jim did. He helped in the kids on the move class. The kids wanted to serve, so the policy was if the children served, the parents went with them. It was a mega church, and the teachers focused on teaching the lessons. Any children who volunteered could serve in a class younger than themselves, but mom or dad had to come with them and train them in working in the ministry. So my kids learned how to usher, to greet, to be altar counselors, and Jesse and Elise served regularly. One of the worst things you can go through as a parent is to watch your kids suffer and to feel helpless and hopeless and not have any idea or help or know what to do. There are times I didn't know, but all I knew to do was to apply my faith. I had been taught as a child that the word of God was true. It had to be right. I asked my kids, what did they wish we had done differently? And Elise said that she would have liked to experience more of the small things. Things like being able to jump on the bungee jumps, that we would pay and go have those types of things done. She says, I think those memories last longer than the stuff, and it's, a, it's good to, be, to put the priority on memories, to share the love and not just material items. Jesse wanted to have more friends over. My dad's sister passed away from tuberculosis that she had gotten from somebody else. My mom and dad never let us go stay with anybody else because of that, and I just seemed to carry it into my next, into my, with my kids. So it was unfair, but that's what happened. <laughs> he also said I, he didn't like cleaning on Saturdays. <laughs> I thought it was very uh, fun that, that Stacy would say, I wish we had more chores. <laughs> because then she could have instilled in chores for herself now and for her kids. <laughs> Jesse also said, I wish I spent more time with you and made you cry less. I don't remember crying, except when Jesse left, when he turned 18. He was going to go to Christ for the Nations, and he was going to major in worship. And I thought, that's not right. I had a check. He came back to me and told me he wanted to change his focus to youth ministry. That made more sense to me, but I still had a concern. His youth pastor and him had become very close friends. I asked God how Jesse was going to make it without his youth pastor. Well, Jesse invited his dad and I to dinner, for which his dad paid. <laughs> he told us he was going to Las Vegas, Nevada. It wasn't an ask. He told us to join a church plant with his youth pastor. This was the right thing. This made sense. This answered my question. He was going with his youth pastor to Las Vegas. One week after turning 18, we drove him there. He was there for an hour and a half. Even though I knew he was where God wanted him, my heart was still broken from the lost. The loss. <clears throat> God sent me David Crowder, and I got through David Crowder's music. I got through the event with David Crowder's music. Every time I would cry, or every time I would think of my son going away, the same song would play over and over. I had the same type of loss experience with both the girls. In my lives, in my kids' lives, there have been mean girls. There have been mean adults. Jesse was in and out of Christian schools. My kids were bullied. They were shoved into lockers. There was drug abuse. There was cutting. To this day, 
I cannot remember the name of the school where Stacy went to junior high. I was focused on my career. Stacy gave me permission to save, to, to share one of her testimonies. I'd like to read that to you. Drugs and alcohol first began when I was in ninth grade. There were many factors to my journey. I was in middle school trying to get, find my way as I was changing. My life was changing, and my 14 years alone with my mommy was changing. At school, I was a victim to a bully, always shouting negativity at me, calling me fat and ugly, were a constant in my life. During this time, I also reverted to cutting, never so anyone could see. My self-esteem was in the mud, and I really had a hard time believing I was worth anything. A couple friends and I made it to our last dance at the junior high scene, and that's where I began my first venture with speed. I loved the way it took my self-doubt away, and I didn't have to feel stupid anymore. After school was over, I began to start smoking marijuana as well. I was under the impression that it was making me a better person. By the time I was in 10th grade, I began to use daily. When I ended up going to my first high school dance, my best friend ended up walking with, in with my boyfriend. Needless to say, I wasn't happy. Me and another friend left the dance and walked about three blocks away and got high on the side of the road. We went back to the school to start a fight, and the very wise security guard wouldn't let us back in. He knew we were high, and I was angry. My friend had left her car keys in her purse in the gym inside, so we began walking. The dance was over, and I was still fuming, angry, and bent on getting revenge when my cousin Adam, who was at the same school dance, saw us walking on the side of the road. He picked us up and said he would take us home. Not saying a word until he dropped my friend off, he pulled into a Taco Bell parking lot and had some words with me. He asked me why I was getting high all the time, why I was making stupid decisions, why I thought it was okay to throw my life away. Got me thinking but not enough to make me stop. It was the first time he really showed how much he cared and that I wasn't hiding my habit very well. I got home, and the next morning my mom found the leftover pot in my purse. I lied and told her it was the first time, and it wasn't going to happen again. My memory of this activity, the next, it was like, to me, the next day, <laughs> I took her to rehab. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what else to do. I was at a loss. I don't think it was quite the next day, but she did end up in rehab. She ended up in rehab, and it really wasn't a good situation because they were telling her things that she didn't even know was wrong with her. She was told that she had an eating disorder, that she had all these things that were wrong. And uh, we had a, an associate a youth pastor at Redeemer at the time, I did Redeemer at uh, Cathedral of Praise at the time, Dusty. And he approached Jim and I and said, we've got to get her out of there. She can't stay in there. And so they, uh, he and his wife, Teresa, took in Stacy, and she lived with them for six months. She's turned out okay. <laughs> I was not the perfect mother. I didn't know Jesse had asthma until we were back in Colorado. I didn't know Elise faced mean girls until she gave a teaching te testimony at a woman's meeting, ministry meeting. I didn't know Stacy had a drug problem. Where was I when all this was going on? Was I, 
why was I so oblivious? And why don't I remember all of this? <clears throat> my heart ached. Oh, my heart ached to read her story. And I just read this story recently. And I've heard it before. And I asked God, why don't I remember all this? Why was, why was I so oblivious? And I heard, did you not dedicate your children to me? Did you not give them back to me? Did I not take what Satan meant for evil and turn it to good? Did I not breathe my breath into them just as I breathed my breath into you? Did I not need, did I need, did I not keep my promise that if you would train your children as I asked you to do, they would not depart from my way? I responded, well, yes. <laughs> I got the picture. I didn't need any more response. God's word does not return void. When I couldn't take care of the problem, he sent others to help. He sent teachers, youth pastors, Girl Scout leaders. God has been faithful to his word. My family, my heritage, my story, my future. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And today I can say I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. My children have all turned out to serve the Lord. Their lives offer testimonials of hope. I'm blessed because events in their lives could have sent them on different paths. But they chose to follow God, and the goodness of God has just shown magnificently in their life. I am blessed to know they love and worship God. I'm remind, I found this scripture that I love. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. I claim that scripture for my family. I speak that scripture over my kids and my grandchildren. I know my grandparents from Scotland asked Jesus to be, with the, to, to be their Lord and Savior. And I know my grandparents on the V Hill side loved God with all their hearts. They were devout Catholics, and I witnessed my grandmother pray daily. Living in Tulsa gave our kids a great foundation at Church on the Move. Jim and Cora and Jerry and Jan poured hours and days and years into Stacy and I. I think about Genesis, and I'm reminded that children have been meaningful to me all my life. We are a church of hope and healing. But we are also a church where kids' foundation is taught. The word has been poured into your children by teachers, by Shana and Emily and Nubia, Ashley, Brandy, and Jim, week after week. They are supported by their helpers, Hannah and Elijah, Sydney, Riley, and Taryn. The worst things that happened to my kids when they were, were when they were in junior high and high school. It's a time when kids are no longer kids, but they aren't, all, they aren't adults either. Their home, hormones are driving them up and down the wall, 
and pulling them from in multiple directions. They have so many questions and they wonder about their own value and what does life have to offer. They need mentors and guides and people who are willing to spend time with them. People who will listen and be a friend like Pastor Evan was to Jesse. He would come, he would pick up Jesse and just take him to play video games. They didn't talk about anything else. Scripture wasn't brought up. He just was a friend. He wanted Jesse to have somebody to talk to. Like my math teacher was to me, and Elise's drama was to her. When the mean girls were there, her teacher had her come in and have lunch in his office so that she didn't have to face them every day. Like Pastor Dusty and Teresa were to Stacy, people who loved kids beyond enough to put them, them first. Beverly has taken on teaching the kids how to put their foundation into practice. Caitlin will be ministering to and with the older youth. They need our prayers. They need our thanks. Perhaps someday your children will have been rescued by one of these teachers. I would like for our teachers, children's teachers and helpers to stand. I know there's not too many here today, but there's a few of you. And we have a gift for you. In fact, if you could just come forward. Go ahead. There's no material gift inside this box. The gift is the envelope that's on top of the box. We have 13 gifts for the 13 nursery and children's and youth pastors. Jim, too. I'm sorry, Jim. I expected Jim to be in class teaching. <laughs> the small value of what is in this envelope, if it were put into this box and multiplied to fill this box full, it would not adequately re represent the values that you have to me. If I could fill up this box with gift cards to the place where it was full and overflowing, it could not adequately express the value that you have to this church. And it could not, certainly not represent the value that you are to the children and in the nursery, preschool, kids club, and wonder keepers, and to the youth ministry. And I guarantee it doesn't even come close to the gift and the value that God places on the love that you express, the dedication that you've given your time and spent the sacrifices that you've made in part of the children's ministry to this church. And it would certain not, certainly not represent the value that you are to the children in the nursery, preschool, kids club, and youth. I guarantee you it doesn't even come close to represent the value that God places on the love that you express, the de dedication that you've given the time. I had a prayer for the kids as well, that when they get older, you can look back and remember the service that you did here at Genesis Church. And just like God orchestrated my life, for who I am today, you'll be able to see God orchestrating your life and how he pre prepared you for your future. It may not be a future with kids, and it may not be a future with the church, but perhaps it's in preparation of God's call on your life. I'd like to bring up, first of all, go ahead and give the gifts. Jim, thank you for years and years of ministry to the kids, week after week. Shana's. Oh, Stacy, can you bring Shana's? It's, it's back with those other ones. Yeah, that's okay. Caitlin, you've got a big job ahead of you, but I'm so proud of you, and I'm so excited to see what's coming. 
Is that Shana's? Oh, yes. It, it, yes. Yeah, I didn't want to leave Zach out. Because <laughs> we had gifts for all the girls also. Okay. And then, pardon? And where, yeah, Emily's. You guys are the gift. Without you, we could not do this church because kids are important to God. Kids are important to Jesus. He received the children when others would not. Thank you for receiving the children when others will not. I'd like to ha have the pastors and elders come up and pray for each one of the, the teachers.